Parshas Vayera, Towering Greatness. Many years ago, when I was still raw, I'm still raw, but I was even more raw then, I received a rebuke from an important personality. I was speaking to a certain Rosh Hashiva in his office, and together with him was sitting one of his secretaries, a male secretary. And at one point in the conversation, I directed my remarks to the secretary. On the side, I said something to him. So the Rosh Hashiva corrected me. You don't talk to the secretary when the Rosh Hashiva is here. When the Rosh Hashiva is here, you speak only to him. I learned an important lesson that day. In the presence of somebody important, you don't talk to someone else. Because by acknowledging someone else's presence, you are already mitigating his dignity. You are belittling the honor of the more important person. Let's say you walk into a physician's office and the doctor is there. But also, there's a girl there who is cleaning up. So you don't say, good morning, how are both of you this kind morning? That's bad manners. You don't include the physician together with the maid. She's nobody in comparison to him. Now to hear such things seems jarring to our American ears. It just doesn't seem democratic enough if you don't include the cleaning girl and the doctor in the same greeting. But that's because America is not necessarily a land that's so proficient in Derech Eretz. And therefore, the first order of the night is to forget about democracy. Torah is more important than democracy. And Derech Eretz is one of the foundations of Torah. And if you direct your remarks to the great man together with the one who accompanies him, that's already equivalent to belittling him. It's a lack of derecheretz. You know who we learned that from? From Avram Avinu. You remember when the three malachim were passing his tent, vayar vayaretz likratam, and he ran out to greet them. But we find that he spoke only to one in the center. Im namatzati chen be'necha al natavor me'alavdecha. Because naturally, that's the one who was most important. Why was he in the center? Because he's the more important one. I explained this to you once. If you're walking down 13th Avenue and you see three people coming towards you, let's say on one side, you recognize it's the Satmararov. And on the other side, let's say, and walking right in between them, in the middle, there's an unknown person. So you understand right away that if he's in the middle of these two great people, then he must be more important than both of them. If he's in between those two, probably he's Mashiach. And therefore, he's the one you greet. Otherwise, you're lacking in Derecheretz. Now, if you came here just to hear that, very good. You can be about Derecheretz now. So if you meet your father in the street tomorrow morning, and together with him, someone else is walking, the person who deserves your attention is your father. Good morning, Papa. That's how to greet them, the Torah way. Now, this is a subject that's worth studying by itself, but I'm going to change the topic a little bit. We're going to see that it's not only when it comes to greeting people. Even if you're just relating a story, an incident that happened, the Torah way is to focus on the better one, and the one who's not as important is relegated to the background. 
That's why you'll find in the Gemara stories where it is related that someone did something or said something and nothing is said about anyone being together with him. You're reading a story about the Rabbi Shimon, let's say, and you have no idea that someone else was even there at all. And then finally, a few lines later, the Gemara incidentally makes a remark. Inish There was another man with him. There was somebody there the whole time. And why wasn't he mentioned? Because of the honor of Rabbi Shimon. Gemara Gitin. That's a great principle that Chazal are teaching us. It's true that there are other people too, and everyone is important. But the better one is too big that somebody should be mentioned together with him. To make mention of those who are with him is equivalent to mitigating the importance of the better one. You remember when Avram Avinu came to Eretz Canaan? His great-great-grandfather, Malki Tzedek, that's Shem ben Noach, was still alive. Living in Eretz Canaan, Avraham was a descendant of Shem, and his great ancestor of his was living nearby. Now, who was Shem? Shem was a great tzaddik, one of the noblest men who ever lived. Umalki tzaddik melech shalem, who kohen le'el elyon. He was a kohen who worshipped the Most High, Hashem, Bracious. A Kohen means that he was dedicated. It was his career. But he wasn't only a Kohen. He was a king of a beautiful city, a city that was built L'Shem Shamayim. After the Mubble, Shem ben Noach came out of the Teva and said, the old generations destroyed the world by means of their mistakes. But I'm going to fix that. I'm going to start a new community and rebuild the world on the foundation of achieving Shlemus. So he came to a certain place in Eretz Canaan, and he founded a town called Shalem, on the site of what is now Yerushalayim. The word Yerushalayim is Yeru Shalem. Yeru, the cornerstone city, Shalem, of perfection. The city was founded for the purpose of Shlemus, of perfection. It's a remarkable thing. Avraham Avinu's great-grandfather, Malki Tzedek, was king of an exceptional town where the slogan was Sedek, righteousness. So now you know what it was doing when Avraham came into Eretz Canaan. His Zaydi, an exceptionally righteous man, was living nearby in charge of an exceptional city. And yet, we don't hear anything about him. It's surprising to us. Avraham's great ancestor doesn't get the slightest mention. Once Avraham appeared on the scene, he became the sole interest of Hashem in this world. As far as the Creator was concerned, all of mankind, even someone as great as Malki Tzedek, became scenery in the background behind Avraham. You know, when you see Malki Tzedek, when he steps into the spotlight for a moment to speak to the main character, if you were ever in the theater, I hope you were never in the theater. But they have a spotlight there. The stage is full of people, all kinds of actors. But there's a spotlight that is shining on the one who is the most important one, the one who is doing the talking. All the rest are in a half shadow. You can barely see them unless they are speaking with the main character. When do we hear from Malki Tzedek? When he spoke to the main character. When Avraham returned from the war against the king, Umalki Tzedek Melech Shalem, Hotzi Lechem Vayayin. 
He came to greet Avraham. And then, for a short moment, the light was shining on him too. He earns a mention because he came out to greet Avraham. But as soon as this episode is finished, he stepped back out of the limelight. And nothing more is said about him or his descendants. And we learn from this the principle about how HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at us in this world. He looks primarily at the better ones. The one who is the best in his environment. The best in his town. The best in his yeshiva. The best in his synagogue. The best on his street. He towers far above all the rest of them. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking solely at him. Compared to him, the rest are relegated to the background. Of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking at every Jew. Not only every Jew. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking at every squirrel. He knows what every single rat, every mouse, every bacterium is doing. Nobody, nothing at all is not seen by him. And nothing is overlooked. It's a great Torah principle. That ain HaKadosh Baruch Hu mikapeach. Sechar kol bria. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't deprive anyone of his due reward. Babakama. Everyone is going to get the reward he deserves. Absolutely. Even a Russia, a gangster who kills 10 people a day, won't lose out on the reward that he deserves. Let's say that his business, he gets a paycheck for each body that he delivers. 10 people a day. But it's against his principle to kill 11 even if he's offered a big bonus for an 11th victim, he won't do it. He has principles after all. He's not Stam a murderer. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not deprive him of his reward for even that self-control. And so there's no question that everything you do counts tremendously. If you do good things, better things than not murdering people, call Shekane, you'll get even more reward. Nothing will be forgotten because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is interested in everything, in every little detail. And yet, we're learning now the fundamental principle. It's a big chiddish that there's no comparison between the one who is better and the others. Hashem chooses the best. That's the great principle. His interest in the best one is his true interest in this world. That's what we're saying here. That Hashem looks primarily at the better ones. And we're supposed to learn from that. That's how we're supposed to look at the world too. Now, don't think that once you heard this, so now you can go home. You heard it, so now you know. Only great people are important. They are who we concentrate on. Oh no, you don't know anything yet. Because it's not so easy to appreciate greatness. Don't think that you would have appreciated the greatness of Abraham Avinu. Absolutely not. You remember when Avraham was waiting for wayfarers to pass by? <laughs> Avraham was sitting at the entrance of the tent in the heat of the day. It was an extraordinarily hot day. And this 99-year-old man, recovering from a bris miller, is sitting near the door of his tent, waiting. He's bandaging his wounds and he's looking out for wayfarers. And when he sees three plain Arabs... That's how they appeared to him. He ran out into the heat and he fell down onto the ground and begged them, Al Natavor, my masters, please don't go away from your servant. They're demurring, but Avram is begging them. Now in the eyes of other people, this was crazy. 
If somebody is in need, all right, you'll offer him something. But if he's reluctant to accept your hospitality, do you have to throw yourself onto the ground? You have to prostrate yourself and beg him to come. We're accustomed to reading that in the Torah. But had we seen it, we would think it's a little bit off. Avraham would be queer to us. Suppose you saw that today in Borough Park. Imagine you saw Meshulach from Eretz Yisrael walking down 13th Avenue. And a fine balabos, a tzaddik, rushes out into the street and says to him, Please, don't go away from me. Please, come to my house. And when the Meshulach says, No, no thank you, it's fine. I don't feel like going inside to eat right now. So this balabas falls down onto the street. He falls down onto his face to plead. Please, my master, don't pass by. Please don't go away from your servant. He's lying on the street, begging this stranger to come into his house to eat something. Suppose the people in Borough Park would see that. They would think that he's nuts. It's the truth. That's what we would think. Absolutely. We might appreciate it. Could be we'd praise it too. But we think that it's too extreme. Great people are sometimes so great that others can't appreciate them. Mishuga Isharuach, the man of spirit, the man who is dedicated fully to Hashem, is a madman. Hoshea. It means that he appears to be a madman, a Mishugana in the eyes of others. The Navi said that. Mishuga Isharuach. A person who has spirit is crazy in the eyes of other people. It means it's an old story already that the Avoidus Hashem of great man is considered extreme by men of lesser stature. I remember about 30 years ago, the Rav said these words in 1970, a man who wore a beard was considered a Meshugana. If you walked through the streets of a Jewish district with a beard, they called you a Meshugana. I remember, it happened to me more than once. I was walking up the subway stairs and a woman, a Jewish woman, looked at me and spit directly into my face. Mishugana, she said. Now, I'm not saying that you have to wear a beard in order to be a tzaddik. Today, even genuine mishuganas wear beards. But I'm just giving you an example. Anybody who demonstrates some idealism is considered a lunatic by people who lack that attitude. Very often, people cannot appreciate those who are better than them. I say, very often. It's always the case. Chazal in the Medrash, Vayikra tells us a story about how Rabbi Yochanan was walking on the road past the field with his Talmud, Rabbi Chia ben Abba. Rabbi Chia said to his Rabbi, look at this beautiful field with such an abundant crop of grain growing on it. So Rabbi Yochanan said, that was once my field. Your field? What happened? I sold it to learn Torah so that I could sit and learn. The Bechia was dumbfounded. Such great wealth you gave away. He didn't say anything. He had respect. He kept his mouth closed. Then they passed by a beautiful orchard, date trees and figs and olives. So the Bechia said, what a wonderful paradise this is. A beautiful orchard. And Rabbi Yochanan said, it was once mine, once yours. What happened? I sold it to learn Torah. Then they passed by another place. They saw beautiful things, expensive things, and again the same story. And this time, when Rabbi Yochanan said, I sold it 
to learn Torah, the Mechia ben Abba couldn't control himself anymore. He broke down and he wept when he heard that. He said, what did you leave for yourself? His Rebbe had sold all of his property in order to learn Torah. He had come from a wealthy family and now nothing was left. On that story, the Pasuk is quoted, Im yitain ish et kol hon If a man will give away all the wealth of his house for the sake of love of an ideal, boz yavuzulo, they scorn him. Shirashirim. People scorn a man who's a big idealist. They don't understand him. Rabbi Yochanan was scorned. He wasn't actually scorned by Rabbi Chia Bar Abba, his disciple. He couldn't understand his own Rabbi. Now, Rabbi Chia Bar Abba was a big idealist in his own right. But when the big idealist meets somebody who is above him, he can't understand him. It's difficult to understand the greatness of somebody that's superior to you because actually he towers with his head in the clouds far above you. He rises above this earth, above the whole universe. Now to us, it's an impossible idea. We're willing to go along with this idea that a tzaddik is a fine man, a good man, a very good man, even superlatively good. But actually, we don't begin to understand the difference between the righteous one and the one who is less righteous. And we'll see now that we understand even less than we imagined in our wildest dreams. The Navi foretells that there will come a time when Vishavtem Uritem Bein Tzadik Rosha, you will come back and you will see the difference between a Tzadik and a Rosha, Malachi. It means that someday there'll be a great day of judgment. There'll be a final day of judgment for all those who ever lived. At that time, all accounts will be settled, and everyone who lived through this world will be recognized for who they were. On that day, everyone will come back, and you will see the difference between a tzaddik and a rasha. You know, in this world, you think you see it, but the truth is you don't appreciate the vast difference between them. There's an endless and infinite difference between a tzaddik and a rasha. We see tzaddikim, and we see Rishayim, and it seems to us that we understand the difference. But the Navi says, you're deceiving yourself. You don't understand anything. You look at the Tzaddik. He wears a jacket. He wears trousers. He has a necktie. You look at the Rasha. He's also wearing trousers. Rishayim wear neckties too. You look at a Tzaddik. He has hair on his head. He has two eyes and nose. You look at the Rasha. The same thing. Of course, you see there's a difference. But this difference is buried under a mountain of similarities. But one day, we'll all be sitting again at this table, and our eyes will be opened, and we'll realize that we never saw anything at all. A time will come when the wickedness and the darkness of this world will be dispelled, and we will see the truth. Vishavtem, we will all return. Uritem ben Sadik Larasha. And we'll see the true difference between a tzaddik and a rasha. However, we're going to see much more than the difference between the tzaddik and the rasha. Because the Pasuk in Malachi adds the following. On that day, you'll also see the difference between the one who served Elohim and the one who didn't serve Elohim. So the Gemara in Chagiga asks a question. The Navi is repeating himself. The Tzaddik is the one who served Elohim. And the Rasha, he's the one who didn't serve him. 
So why do you say you'll see a difference between a tzaddik and a rasha, and also between the one who served Hashem and the one who didn't serve Him? It's repetitious. So the Gemara answers, actually, we're talking now about the righteous ones. We're finished with the rasha. And now we're talking about two tzaddikim gemurim, two perfectly righteous people. But there are two kinds of righteous people. Only that one is called a man who served Elohim and the other one didn't serve him. Of course, both serve Elohim, but there's a difference. A big enough difference that one can be called a servant and one not. What difference are we talking about? That's the question the Gemara asks. What makes one an Oived Elohim and one not? It must be something tremendous after all. Something that lifts one tzaddik way up above the other tzaddik. You're ready for a surprising answer? Now listen to this Chiddush. Our sages answer, There's no comparison. If one studied his chapter 100 times and the other one studied 101 times. Here's one person who learned his Torah lesson 100 times. In ancient times, they reviewed many times because they didn't have any printed safarim. They didn't write and everything was memorized. And so one who was apprehensive, he might forget. He sat and he reviewed it 100 times until he had it. As if it was in his pocket. Now you have to know that it's not easy to review the lesson 100 times. 100 times is very boring. But he wants to know the Torah. So he reviews it a hundred times. That's heroism. He's a shakdan. And I'm a vakesh emes. He knows it already at the third time. But he persists. A fourth time. A fifth time. A tenth time. A fiftieth time. He's dropping from exhaustion already. And finally, this hero, after the hundredth time, he finally sighs and closes the Gemara to go home to a well-earned rest. Now that's some servant of Hashem. But sitting next to him was his friend, and he reviewed it one time more. He stayed an extra half hour, and he persisted for a hundred and one times. Now to us, it's a very small difference. Maybe one degree out of a hundred. It's only one more time. So along comes our sages, and they tell us that that one time is enodome. Those are words you have to listen to. There is no comparison. The one who studied 101 times is called Oived Elohim. And compared to him, the other one, the one who reviewed 100 times is called Asher Lo Avado. He did not serve Hashem. Enodome means there's no comparison. There is no comparison between a hundred and a hundred and one times. When a man makes progress in Avoid Hashem, that puts him light years ahead. Not that a hundred and one is one more than a hundred. It's an entirely different class. And there is no comparison. He's so great that all the rest dim into the background. They'll be rewarded, but compared to him, they're insignificant. That's how very great is the spiritual value of Ruchnius. When it comes to Gashmius, it may seem to us only a minor difference. You may not even see the difference. But when it comes to Ruchnius, the difference is vast. That, 
the Torah teaches us, is the greatness of the one who steps out and does a little bit more. The difference is so great that it's like the difference between a tzaddik and a rasha. Of course, the rasha is on the other side, far, far away. But the oivet elokim and the asher lo avado, however, are also very far away from each other. Extremely far away. But both of us were tzaddikim gemurim, you'll say. No, that's not enough. He is bigger than you. And that little bit makes all the difference in the world. Because for every little bit, you're gaining more favor of Hashem. And when it comes to gaining Hashem's favor, even the most minute difference is more than you can ever imagine in this world. Now that's a very big subject. Because it puts everything we do in this world into its true perspective. Nothing is small anymore. Let's say all of you tzaddikim sitting here know about Lashon Hara. The Chafetz Chaim made Lashon Hara famous. Everyone knows that he has to guard his tongue against evil. It's not easy, but everyone tries. But you have to know that the one who tries just a little bit more, that person has lifted himself up tremendously. The one who guards his tongue a little more shoots up and towers into space, way above everybody. The one who davens with just a little more kavana, a little bit longer Shmona Esrei. That little bit is as far as one star from another. Your friend is also a star. He's also an Oyved Elohim. But compared to you, he's Lo Avado. That's what is meant to be an Eved Hashem. You go the extra step to stand out in the eyes of Hashem. Not only when it comes to davening and Lashon Hara, there's so much more. The good ideas that you hear in this place, other places too, if you'll take them seriously and put some work into fulfilling them, don't think it's only a little thing. It's tremendous. That little bit more makes you distinguished, not a little bit. And if you're a little bit better today than you were yesterday, you're much, much better. Whatever you do a little more is going to find you a great deal more favor in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when he looks upon you with favor, that's the greatest honor that you could ever get. Now don't say that you don't care about covet. If a person says, I don't care for covet, he's a fool. He's a liar too. It's not true. You want covet. You want it tremendously. You crave covet. There are some people who even give their lives in order to get covered. In battle, some soldiers run ahead and risk their lives. They're willing to be killed in the hope that maybe someplace in the Bronx, they'll put up a statue commemorating his heroism. What happens? There's a statue of a soldier now in the middle of the park in the South Bronx. Birds sit there on his head and leave their droppings. At night, homeless goyim come there and they urinate on the statue. How could it be that people, good people, give up their lives for that? The answer is that among the secrets of the mind is the intense craving for glory, for covet. If you study human nature, you'll see that the desire for honor, for appreciation, is perhaps the greatest drive of all in everything they do. Everybody wants covet. It's a fire that burns in the human soul. And it was Hashem who kindled that fire. He says, you should desire covered. You should want covered. Absolutely. Only you should want the right kind of covered. Statues are nothing. You should want covered from me. And for that, 
you have to want to excel. He put that desire into the mind of men so that they should desire to excel, to become great, to be a step ahead of those around them. You have to have that feeling that you want to make progress. I cannot be like the people around me who are stagnant. I cannot lose my life in this crowd. I don't want to merely go along with the yoke of habit on my shoulders and be satisfied with the life of a decent personality, of a loyal Jew. Now, I'm not going to criticize you for going along with the crowd. Some people, that's all they could do. It's not a bad thing. You live in a firm community. You follow their customs, their standards. You do what everyone else does. Not bad at all. You're a shoymer mitzvah and you're megadel your children for Torah. I'm satisfied with you. I'm not going to investigate too much. I'm satisfied. And after 120 years, you'll get Oilam Haba too. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Kol Yisrael yesh laim chelek la'olam haba. You're acting like a from Jew, so you'll be admitted when the time comes. Could be you'll have to make a temporary stop somewhere before that. But sooner or later, you'll be in Oilam Haba, no question about it. But you have to know that when you get there, there's going to be a tremendous disappointment because there's going to be a question in that place about the seating arrangements. Just to get in and to sit near the doorway may not satisfy you. Now, don't misunderstand me. You're a lucky fellow just to get in. Make no mistake about that. If you could get in, even in the last seat in Oilam Haba, then it's a happiness that you're not able to appreciate in terms of joy in this world. There is nothing like it. And yet, In Gan Eden, you'll be burning with regret when you see the canopy of your fellow, Baba Basra. You kept everything, more or less. And like every loyal Jew, you have a chuppah l'fikavoydoy, a canopy according to your just desserts. But then you look over at the chuppah of other people and you see that they have a more beautiful one than you. They have a seat closer up front. And forever and ever, you're going to be sorry. That little bit more that he stayed in the base medrash after everyone left. That little bit more kavana by davening. He thought about the niflois haboide, the chaste Hashem, just one more time every day. Those small things become the biggest things in the next world. Vishavtem urisem. You'll be happy there. But you'll see there's a big difference between your eternal happiness and theirs. Now don't think it's a contradiction. It's possible to give everybody here a hundred million dollars and everybody would surely be happy. I'm sure most of you would be. A hundred million dollars? Why not? But then you'll discover that someone has two hundred million dollars. Oh, that's already a little bit of sadness. Now, in this world, there's still hope. You could hope he'll become bankrupt maybe someday. There's still hope. But in the world to come... It's forever. And the Gemara says, Nichva, each person is scorched as if a torch touched your hand. It hurts. Now to get a hundred million dollars and somebody scorches your hand, you're Moichel. A hundred million dollars is worth something, but still, it hurts. It hurts a lot. And therefore, in the world to come, people will discover what a tragedy it was that they didn't utilize that covered drive to become even better. 
If only I had listened to that dynamo in me that was saying, Chaimel, get better. Chaimel, grow better. Become better. If you had utilized that instinct for cover to become better, who knows what I could have been? Only that I was willing to go along with the yoke of habit on my shoulders. I accepted the life of decent personality, of a loyal Jew, and I was satisfied. And therefore, I have a seat in Oilam Haba. But it's not the seat that I would have preferred to choose. And it's forever. Forever. And therefore, you have to be selfish in this world. That's what it says in Pirkei Avos. Im ein ani li mili. If I'm not for myself, who will be for me? You think your father and your mother are really thinking about you? They spend some time worrying about you, but they don't think always about you. Your Rebbe in the yeshiva, your teachers, they think about you sometimes, but you need somebody to worry about you always. Who's thinking about you all the time? There's only one person who is capable of worrying about you always. That's yourself. And so if you're not for yourself, Who is going to be for you? Worry about your future. Worry about your personality. What's going to happen to you at the end of your life? What are you living for? And therefore, it's of the utmost importance for a person to say, I am selfish. I am for myself. And therefore, I'm going to get better. That's why you find that David HaMelech was very busy worrying about himself. If you look into Hillam, he's always saying, My soul, praise Hashem. He's not speaking to other people. He's speaking to himself. You, David, make yourself great. He's speaking to himself. My soul, bless Hashem. David was sitting in the fields tending to the sheep and he was urging himself. When he became a king too, he was sitting on his throne and he was saying these words to himself. David, make something out of yourself. David, don't fall asleep. You're only one David that I have in this world. I'll never again appear on the stage of history. This is my one chance. So David, make the most out of yourself. And that's what he did. Not only David. 200 years ago, there was a Chana and there was a Gittel. There was a Zalman and a Chaim and a Moshe who served Hashem in Eastern Europe in small towns. There was a Rochamim and a Mazal. And let's say in Syria or some other Jewish community, people who went out of their way to say more tefillahs than they needed. After davening, they remained and said to Hillam too. They came before when it was still dark and they studied Torah before the prayers. People who were more careful with Tikkun Amidas, with Shmiras Halashon, with Kibud Avaim, with Sedaka. We don't know about them today, but their deeds have not died out. Their deeds go with them in the world to come and live forever. And they're distinguished there because of the little extra that they did here in this world. They're forgotten to us today, but that doesn't matter because Hashem doesn't forget them. Their deeds live on forever for those little things they did more of. HaKadosh Baruch Hu considers them with the greatest love. These people who you thought were long forgotten, they're being recognized with a crown of glory that will shine forever in the world to come. And that's why you should never be satisfied with what you have already accomplished. 
It's of utmost necessity that you should always forge ahead more and more because you can never tell what you can make out of yourself. Once you understand the difference between being good and being better, the superlative intensity of covered that you'll receive from HaKadosh Baruch Hu for every bit of progress, you'll say, I want to be different. I wish to get better. And then someday you'll come back and you'll see the difference. And you'll see that the little bit made all the difference in the world. It made all the difference in the world that matters most. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Getting better and better. Hashem teaches us to focus only on the best. Someone who seems to be just a bit better is actually an entirely different level than someone who is just good. This week, I will, Billy Neder, try to add a little bit. I will add one extra compliment for my spouse each day. I will add one extra minute to my davening or to my learning. This little bit makes all the difference in the service of Hashem.